right now on Tech Radio, AI Chaos. Hi, I'm Artemis. I am a computer-generated AI voice, and you're listening to Tech Radio. Every week online and on air with RT Radio, we bring you the very latest in tech. Our show this week brought to you in association with Fit.ie, a fast track into information technology apprenticeship program, which we'll tell you more about later. For now, you're welcome to episode 996. This week, we're unraveling the firing and rehiring of OpenAI CEO Sam Altman. We've news on the demise of DID, and we find out how AI is redefining Irish workplaces with Cora Barnes. This is Tech Radio with Dusty Rhodes and Niall Kitson. Joining me as always is our Tech Central Editor-in-Chief, Niall Kitson. Niall, days of chaos. What a week. Sam Altman fired, goes to Microsoft. 700 staff in his previous company say, if you don't bring him back, uh, we all quit. And then he's suddenly rehired. What the heck is going on at OpenAI? This is one of those stories that we get the show in the bag midweek. We're like, what could possibly happen between <laughs> now and going live on Friday? <laughs> yeah. No, no sooner had our show, our little show gone live than we had missed the story of the week. Nay, one of the stories of the year. I think it's fair to say. I think the story of the year, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, but this is certainly up there. Um, so the a very short version that you've actually summarized pretty well um, uh, is the abrupt ejection of Sam Altman as CEO. And, and bear in mind, he was co-founder of OpenAI as well um, to the to the ether, followed by Satya Nadella uh, from Microsoft, who you know, let's bear in mind, has invested $10 billion into OpenAI, uh, going very, very mad indeed and saying, well, do you know what? We will hire you to head up a, a new AI team. Uh, at the same time, Salesforce uh, CEO uh, Mark Benioff came out and said, hey, you work from OpenAI? Come over here. We'll pay you a bonus just for signing on. So there is this huge interest in OpenAI talent. Um, so between that and, you know, the general furore, uh, over it, uh, Altman was offered, you know, his position back. Initially, he said, no, I'm going to work for Microsoft. Um, then, uh, as you said yourself, there was this huge employee um, campaign uh, where 738 of 770 employees signed an open letter to the board going, aha, please get, get our guy back in charge uh, or we're walking. Now, I'm very skeptical of moves like this from people in the tech sector when employees en masse saying, that's it, we're, we're, we're doing our thing and you better su succeed to our will, accede to our will, or uh, or out of here. Uh, we've seen it before. You know, we, we've seen it in Amazon, we've seen it in Google, we've seen it in other places um, where, you know, uh, very smart, very talented employees will kick up a stink. Uh, then they'll probably realize, actually, we've got things pretty good over here. Um, let's let's just say that we we made our stand and and be quiet about it from here from henceforth and maybe there's one or two sacrificial lambs involved but there you go so the short version is Sam is back uh, there there is no sort of advanced AI group in Microsoft which I have a feeling was you know kind of made up on the spot to be honest um, and amongst the signatories and I find this pretty hilarious 
was one Ilya Sutskever, who was OpenAI's chief scientist. But it is believed she was one of the architects behind Altman's ouster in the first place. So somebody's getting employee of the month. <laughs> I had heard, and um, listen, we have no idea what the heck has has gone on, and I'm, I'm sure it'll all come out in the wash uh, in in the coming weeks. But I love one of the uh, conspiracy theories of the moment is that they are working on something with AI, where AI could become a threat to humanity. And it's actually the second time this week that somebody has mentioned to me Terminator and the fact that AI and computers will decide, eh, you know what, we don't need these humans after all. It was that kind of a level. Now, that that's complete conspiracy, conspiracy yeah. theory, but I love it. <laughs> well, there's, there's two things going on here, um, if anything like that is vaguely true. Um, one is that, you know, OpenAI started as a nonprofit. Uh, and it very much had a sort of a, a its own equivalent of a Hippocratic oath. Really, it was like, "Do no harm. We're not here to make money. Do no harm." Um, and since investment and involvement by commercial entities, it has turned into, "Okay, well, let's be responsible capitalists." Um, so, is is there a further twist in the mission statement uh, to come, uh, which would certainly be an issue? I mean, the the official line last Friday was that Altman had not been, you know, properly forthcoming in his communications with the board. Um, and, and that was the, the official version for, for his uh, ouster. Now, I don't, I don't know. Um, perhaps they have come across something that, that would be a breach of the do no harm. Uh, or, you know, AI should be there for the benefit of humanity. Um, you know, define benefit, define, you know, humanity. Is it all of humanity? Is it the elites? Is it, you know... Who exactly are you going to benefit and, and to what extent um, by this, you know, I'm assuming, and, and you could well be correct on this, that they're sitting on something that um, would certainly change the mission statement of OpenAI and implications of OpenAI around the world. Or it could be that every time the board emailed Sam Altman to ask him what he's up to, he went... I cannot speak about anything from 2022 onwards. I can only speak of things prior to 2021. <laughs> Very clever. Very clever, Dusty. <laughs> Listen, let's get, let's, get on, let's get on to other news. DID, uh, up there with Power City as, uh, as one of our well-loved mm. Irish uh, electrical stores. Uh, well, I, it's not, I'm not going to say that it's gone or that it's in demise or anything like that, but they have been purchased uh, by another company, Select Tech. Are you aware of who Select Tech used to be in previous years? Yeah, Select Tech was previously known as CompuB, who we would know as uh, an Apple, uh, an Apple, um, what they call premium reseller. Premium reseller. Yep. Uh, I, I have been a customer of theirs on more than more than one occasion when I could afford a Mac. Um, thank you, cost of living. Um, so uh, this is a very interesting story. You have a company that previously was like, aha, Mac, that's us. We're over here. We're doing our thing. Very profitable. Thank you very much. Um, looking at the other side of the fence and going, you know what? There's an awful lot of stuff we're not doing with Apple, and maybe there's some money in that as well. Uh, and that's kind of what I imagine is the reach. Now, there's a few things we don't know yet. Uh, we don't know the cash value of the deal. We don't know what the breakdown is. Um, we don't know if the DID name is going to be kept on. 
Uh, and we're not too sure mm. what operational changes are there going to be. There In the press release, there was vague mention of um, online shopping. So I imagine that could mean changes to uh, the DID portal. Um, to be honest, I find mm. it a, a little bit painful to use. I, I do find it quite cluttered. Um, whereas Select, of course, being part of the Apple family, uh, uh, I suppose you could say, um, has a much, much nicer uh, user experience. So, mm. yeah, if the brand goes, I, you know, that's like a chunk of our, you know, history, you know, that, that'd be like Power City going. You'd, you'd notice it and you'd miss it, you know? Yeah, yeah. No offense to Curry's, but if, if Power City uh, all became a Curry's tomorrow, I would be very sad. Yeah, because, you know, they, these are Irish brands. I mean, both DID and uh, uh, Select, they're both guaranteed Irish companies. Um, you know, indigenous companies that, you know, we like to support because we like to support local business, um, which, uh, which I feel is more important than ever. And to see the landscape kind of shrink, it's sad. I mean, already this year we have lost Argos, um, which is very much a go-to for, I mean, yeah, granted, you know, a UK brand. But, but I think the, the point being that Argos was a tremendous um, uh, Tremendous uh, option for adding choice to uh, to consumers. And if there's anything in the world you wanted, your options were to uh, order it from Amazon or see what's in the Argus catalog. Because, you know, the Argus catalog, was a, it's yeah. a cultural event whenever a new one comes out. <laughs> what's in the new catalog? That's very true. But my wife is a great reader. Uh, so, you know, when the Amazon Kindle came out first, she was like, oh, I don't want one of those. And now she uses it regularly. But one of the things we miss is kind of going into a bookstore. There aren't as many bookstores around anymore because of that. Uh, from the tech side of things, which is closer to my heart than books, I think it would be very sad if tech stores were to go. I mean, you're talking about going into Argos or buying stuff off Amazon, but if you didn't have a store that you could just, I mean, every time I'm, I'm up in, you know, kind of Blanchestown or over in Lucan or whatever at any of the big shopping centers, I always go into the tech store and just have a wander around and see what computers they have and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I would be very disappointed if that was to disappear. Well, we've all, we lost two very big ones in recent years. Uh, we lost Pete's and we lost Maplin's. Um, and those were true. I mean, yeah. Maplin's in particular, I mean, you could get lost in that place. In particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other great thing about Maplin's was it just had all the little bits and pieces that you needed for computing and mm. technology. It wasn't like you go into, you know, kind of Curry's or Paris City or DID and it's just like, you know, it's it's laptops and TVs and all that kind of stuff. You go into... Um, Maplins and you'd be able to get screwdriver sets and you know kind of uh, connectors mm -hmm. and then the leads that you need and all that kind of anyway, anyway that's that's all uh, uh, an aside uh, listen let me do one more story for this week and then we get into our interview and that is a co-pilot mm. for Windows another AI story so um, yeah uh, good news and bad news on this all right um, kind of the Good news is that Copilot is being made available to people using Windows 10. And the reason being is that not everybody can install Windows 11 because you need to have a more modern processor and certain security requirements and stuff like that. Not everybody has it. So they are making Copilot available for Windows 10. So that's the good news. The bad news is that Copilot is not available to anybody in the EU 
because it will fall under the uh, the Data Act that we have been talking about. And Microsoft, as a gatekeeper, needs to you know change certain things with Copilot uh, with data. And until they do that, Copilot will not be available for us. Mm. Unless, unless, don't, don't you like a little pause? And unless, uh-huh. all right, you were to do a little Google search for how to run Copilot on Windows in the EU, and essentially there's a little command that you can run um, on your Windows machine, and you have to have the most recent. I think it's a ba 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 ba. I think it's the second half twenty three H. Two, I think you need to have installed on your Windows machine, and then you can run a little shortcut because Copilot is built into the update for the second half of 2023, but it's not enabled within the EU. So you just have to have that little command line uh, ex- execution bit of code, run that, and Copilot will work away on your well, Windows. Well, that's laptop. an interesting. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, does it qualify as a loophole? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, why not? Like you know. Um, and that's what I like about Windows uh, and uh, Linux, because you can do these kind of things and you can't do it with other tech providers uh, whose name begins with an A and it resembles a fruit. Oh, I'll just say it then, Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Apple just go, no, you can't do that. Don't be so do you know, naughty. Do you know what? I just had a thought. <laughs> Apple doesn't want to do uh, a large language model because they haven't come up with their own language yet. And when they do, you know all the hipsters will be fluent yeah, in when it. they do. <laughs> <sighs> Goodness, all right. Listen, uh, listen. There is one other story, um, and and I'm, it's only an aside because it, it's related to the interview we're about to go into. Mm. Is that one in ten Irish people say they have used AI as part of their work? Do you think that's too high or too low? To be honest, I think that's a little bit optimistic. Um, like I've used it, but uh, uh, again, in relation to work, but only in a, you know, not in a something that could be applied on a daily basis kind of a thing, just by mm. asking a general question that mm. would be of use to my work, um, but not something definitive. <laughs> You're like, how do I do this one thing? Right, okay. <laughs> well, I... I thought the number was a little bit low. I would have thought it would have been uh, much higher. Anyway, this all kind of ties in with our interview, which we'll get into in a second. But for now, Niall, keeps, thanks for keeping us up to date with the news. This is Tech Radio from techcentral.ie. Get every episode of Tech Radio by clicking follow on your podcast player right now. Over 450 businesses across Ireland are finding huge success with a tech apprenticeship program, which helps grow their tech teams and builds diversity into the workplace, which, of course, then sparks fresh thinking and energy and all the other benefits. Uh, Financially as well, they get to avoid high recruitment agency fees when taking on new people. And there are state grants of up to €6,000 for each apprentice that you take on. Is this too good to be true? It is absolutely true. And if your company would like to find out more about freeing up some more experienced staff and getting some fresh energy back into the day-to-day tech team, here's the scheme to check out. It's called FIT, Fast Track into Information Technology. It's an apprenticeship program. The website is fit.ie and you'll find more details in the description area of this podcast in your podcast app. Check it out. 
Okay, let's go for our interview this week, which is all about businesses outside the tech sector who are making great strides using AI to cut down on the kind of work to automate basic tasks and even redefine what constitutes a basic task in the first place. Cora Barnes is founder of 3Q Perms and Temps and Nurse Jobs Ireland, and she spoke with Niall Kitson about how AI is adding value to her business. So let's look at how companies are managing their ongoing efforts to bring in and retain people and meet those expectations and have those conversations you know, enabled with the correct tools that will show people, look, come work for us, we'll give you X, you will still be able to work effectively, whether you're at home, whether you're in the office. Have you seen companies you know, come to you going, uh, look, we're starting out. How do we deal with people? What should our toolkit be? You know, is it a matter of making sure somebody just has a good broadband connection and we get them a mid-range laptop? Or do we have to think outside that particular box? I think those basics are now accepted, but I think there's more intricate hyphen gray areas, such as, you know, is it a safe environment for people to work in? So you saw initially, if you're working from home, you went and got your IKEA desk or Argus, which are now gone, whatever it was, you got your own. But now matters are, does someone have the correct chair to work at home? So you've got to wash again with health and safety. So I think from an employer's perspective, there's not only the practical hardware of this blended working environment, there's also the statutory and regulatory elements that are not currently fit for purpose. So providing a safe work environment. And if someone constituted as a lone worker, if they're alone in their kitchen, then they're working. And if there are anomalies in that particular kitchen or environmental factors that I now as an employer have a responsibility. So there is a protectionism element of I can protect the employee and my business when I have them in the office I supplied that I verified as health and safety. So I think there's still always the hygiene factors of health and safety and then the regulatory and then on top of that potentially the idea of if there is a matter that happens that requires someone to seek redress you will be shrinkage you're kind of going okay well if Cora had been working in the office that day that potential matter may not have arisen so you know there is protection that's going to come in so I think that there needs to be support put in place for SMEs and businesses who are wanting to have this conversation, who want to create it. But I think there's a lag. So right now, there's, you have the legislation and provision that's still for when we were very cleanly work and not work. And I think that there's a lag there that will need to be addressed to build that confidence for people to have those conversations. So, And this idea of that I may have a certain element of my workforce that can do this and another element of my workforce who can't. And therefore, it's got to do with what's right and fair. Is it okay for everybody in the marketing department to be hybrid, but everybody who's in the retail shop floor obviously can't? And and then that idea of fairness and communicating, well, this is the way we're going to work it. And they're the human elements that are in every unique organization are going to have commonalities, but they're also going to have unique challenges to how they're going to deliver it. Accounts, per se. You have, we're an SME and we've got to follow up on, we've outsourced our accounts for payment. 
But when it comes down to following a particular invoice, the recruiter might have the intricacies of the company that they worked with and who gave the approval. So we'd set up a meeting between the outsourced guy and they'd be able to do everything perfectly fine on Zoom or on a phone call to get the matter resolved. However, we didn't outsource payroll. And our payroll executive works in the office um, majority of the time. Flex is relief days when she has work that doesn't involve um, our temp teams. And so therefore, you could say I've outsourced or made our accounting services are all remote. They're not. Because we determined that what was needed was that person to be here because they're the bridge between all of our attempts getting paid correctly. And they've got immediate access to one of the four or five recruiters on that day. If they were working remotely, they may have to spend five emails and five phone calls. And if there's more than one error, then multiply it by how many different attempts we've worked with. And they're physically present, they can address it. So I do think that there is... The interactions have changed and companies are seeking it and they're in that recovery stage. But with any change and any movement from a clearly defined structure to this hybrid, there are still a lot of grey that causes concern, challenge, hyphen, protectionism in it. And But as we are at full economy, I do believe that for certain skills, these conversations will be easier depending on what sector you're in and what your need is in that time whereas for traditional businesses I think it will not be as transformative it will be we're a traditional business but we deliver it in a traditional way so the digital transformation will be in the format of point of sale systems or booking systems or removing admin tasks but I physically may still require that person to be present for that business to work just on the subject then of sort of being that traditional business. Uh, however, you are also a business that has started using artificial intelligence. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your implementation there and how successful it's been for you. So I have a very good friend called Mary Rose Lines of Bright Spark Consulting and we um, are what you call uh, long-time entrepreneurs on the road. We were both up for an Entrepreneurs Award back in 2007 and uh, I won out to which Mary Rose to this day says I stole it, but I didn't. Um, but Mary, I would be a very much, I, I'm nosy, so I'm always inquiring as to, can we do something easier, faster, more effective? Um, and that inquiry has always stood to me as an entrepreneur. And with the, I do believe we're in an AI hype cycle, but with the conversation around um, initially, it was algorithms that got me interested in that conversation and talking about it. And I remember a program we did in the MBA, and it was looking how CV, CVS and Target in the US would use algorithms. And the job title was called a data process how you took the content from a, a loyalty card to predict Joanne or Mary's spending habits into the future. And we had looked at how, where did this come into? the consumer's ethical ability to choose versus the fact that a random mailer seemingly had six items that the algorithm and the data profit had proposed based on past spending habits would happen. So to me, that was where my interest had led into it. And then the introduction of the AI and Mary Rose being in that area, we were saying, okay, again, the idea of a multi-scheduling tool to help us with our social media program, that technology, literally took 20 hours of manual work 
for my team off the table. So I was very curious as to what this AI and if the one that we had introduced to first was ChatGBT and then it was Jasper and then it was Midjourney for the images. So that was our introduction through was through a network of a business person that I've known for all these years. But we were curious. We've been looking for how can we find things in the digital space that will allow us to be more personable, to be available to the people we work with because we have set up the structures that will take the back end of our work away from um, taking that time slot off our off our daily grind. So we're using uh, AI to reduce, refine, and to repurpose. A given, it's very simple. A job ad goes onto our website, goes onto a multi-posting tool, and goes across into a number of platforms, paid and social, that we work with. Each of those platforms may have different dynamics with regards to the size and shape of the image being used. But the text that we generate at once can now be reused across all of those platforms. And from it, we may speak to a client who's given us a job description. We might run it through the chat GBT or the AI and say, what skills would you expect a person applying for this job to have? So we rewrite the job ad pulling from the job description, our own knowledge from the client, and we would then, it becomes kind of a three-party integration. The data we had, run it through the client who's saying, this is what we've used in the past, and then running it by the AI to say, where does these three kind of circles overlap? And what's generated then is the hybrid outcome. The job ad is now refined. The original ones from the client, their spoken interaction with us about what they really felt worked in the past, and then what the AI could see with comments both or refined what was the priority. So that's where we're using AI in improving what we deliver. But if I just ran, write a job description for a nurse, you would know a robot had written it, and it, SEO won't pick it up. But if I propose, this is the personnel details the hiring company has told me has really worked with their culture, this is their personnel spec, this is a job ad. And then I prompt the AI to please identify the most reoccurring characteristic of this personnel spec, what's priority. And then, okay, what are alternative words for this particular characteristic that the person's looking for? And then it generates right in the style of Facebook, right in the style of Instagram, right in the style of LinkedIn. So I'm able to generate pieces of unique content based on the interaction with the human who knows to express it, but then to redevelop that content through the AI for the platform that I may be trying to find that nurse through, an Instagram reel, Facebook ad campaign, a LinkedIn jobs post, a company blog about how nurses are time poor and really don't wish to move unless the role is significantly career catapulting because they just simply don't have the time to meet with a recruiter in-house or commercial to go through everything. So that's how we as a small business have taken anything like 30 to 40 minutes per individual job off the table. But we also believe the output is significantly better than however Cora is feeling on the day about how will I make it sound good for Instagram? What will it look like on Facebook? Have I put the right tone of voice in it for LinkedIn? And in the past, 
truthfully, you didn't you didn't tailor it. You literally put the same message on the platforms, and the only thing you tailored was the size of the image based on the platform's requirements. So now the same ad is advertised in five or six locations, but the even prompt or the check out this job does not look the same on each of those platforms. And that was Cora Barnes, founder of 3Q Perms and Temps and Nurse Jobs Ireland, chatting with Niall Kitson. This is Tech Radio. That's it for our show this week. Do check out some of the other stories online we didn't have time to chat about, including which UCD professor won the IRC Researcher of the Year Award. IBM wants to train 2 million people in AI and a new creative hub for Galway gets connected. You'll find all of those and more online at techcentral.ie. We're back again next Friday on RTE Radio 1 Extra. And of course, you can get new episodes automatically by clicking follow on your podcast player. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Kitson, thanks always for listening. Take care. Tech Radio is produced by dustpod.io. From me, Artemis, goodbye. Goodbye.